Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. On today's episode, I speak with comedian and musician Dylan Adler about his experience with trauma and sexual assault. Here he is speaking about recovery from sexual assault trauma. And also, it is so possible to feel better. And I remember when I was in the middle of it, I thought that I would never feel better and that it was impossible to heal. But because that's how, like, when you're in that, it's the intensity of that feeling, that's how it feels. But um, it is possible to heal, and it's not your fault. This podcast is brought to you in part by Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller for early access to extended interviews, as well as access to an archive of the first couple of seasons of this program. Our theme song is To Be Or Nah by Billy Conahan off the album Leaping With Intent to Fly, available wherever fine music is sold. Here's Dylan. I hope you enjoy the talk. You've been doing backflips in your set. When did I that start? I started doing backflips. Um, I started it when, during quarantine, I'm like, I kind of want to do a backflip on stage. <laughs> I was like, how can I fit that in? So I yeah. somehow fit it into my set, and I have a little like punchline after, after the backflip. It, it's very hard to follow that. Yeah, it's hard to follow a backflip. And I've still, I've like shopped around different lines and mm-hmm. I, I'm happy with the one I've landed on, but um, I just kind of like do a backflip and then I, because it, it's kind of like a celebratory, it's like kind mm-hmm. of like a cheerleader, woo. So I try to like do like some Im- like impression of like, that was so-and-so blah, 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 and like make it something like, I used to like do a backflip, woo, woo. And I was like, that's me remembering my brother is a virgin. Yeah, something, that's like, something funny. <laughs> but I, I changed it because some people would be like, oh, what's wrong with that? I'm like, wait, yeah, you're right. I'll change. <laughs> so I've changed it to something else. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, where'd you learn to do that? Um, I, I, I did gymnastics as a little kid. Okay. So that's how I, how I learned how to do it. Okay. And yeah. where'd you, where did you grow up? I grew up in the Bay, San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say that's the only place I know is Marin County. Really? Yeah, that's, that's the where only. I'm from. Yeah, it's like I know George Lucas and Robin Williams were from that area, and oh that is it. Oh my god! Some yes, someone in my class was George Lucas's godson. <laughs> so of course, of course. Of course. Of course. And that's yeah. a big comedy place. Is it was, was it always around or Not really. No. no? Not not a big com no, I mean like for, uh, not at least that I knew of, mm-hmm. but I mean there was like theater camp and like okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and that's where you we were connecting over the fact that we both started doing theater. Yes, right. yes, yes. Yeah. And when did you catch the acting bug as they say? I um well, I um when it came to I actually didn't really act that much oh, as yeah? a kid because I was um, I was really shy and in the closet and I didn't like really wasn't didn't have the confidence to be part of a play. Mm-hmm. But I caught the acting the comedy bug when I did mm. like a acting class at um, 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 the college I went to. I went NYU and 
and I um, fell in love with that. And then I went to an improv jam and stand up and then I mm-hmm. just got addicted and never stopped. Yeah. And then what were you going to NYU for if not? It was um, music composition. Oh, yes. That yeah. makes sense. Because you're a very accomplished musician and very funny at it. How do you... When did it occur to you to blend those two things? Um, I think it occurred to me to blend... Oh, by the way, thank you very much, as are you. Oh, what? And <laughs> I um, uh, I think it occurred to me to blend it because I was doing... Um, uh, musical like music com- I wanted to compose for theater and a lot mm-hmm. of you know there were a lot of like standalone YouTube theater songs written by like Pazic and Paul and Kuman and Diamond okay um, and they would write some comedy songs too so mm-hmm. I thought oh this is that's kind of fun and so uh, for like some of my songs that I would write for um, you know my teacher like for my degree I tried to write like comedy songs too mm-hmm. And those were always really fun. And then when I started stand-up, I thought, I didn't think to connect it. I just started doing Mm stand-up. But then I thought, oh, maybe I'll just try out a comedy song. And it got, like, a bigger response than any of my, um, any of my, like, uh, regular jokes. So I'm (laughs) like, oh, maybe I should try to, like, do this. Yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. Yeah. I always, you know... I, I play a little piano and I my rule was always like I'll play it if it's there. Uh-huh. Did you when you first did the first comedy song, did yeah. you bring your like your whole keyboard and everything? How did that work? Yeah, I did. I well I went the creek in the cave had a piano. Oh really? And at the at the uh at the base at their, you know, bottom floor. Mm-hmm. And um I would play it and um you know I and that's where I would like write most of my material. And then I thought, so I, so for shows, if they didn't have a piano at the venue, I would lug a piano there and oh have to gosh. plug it into the system. And like, you know, it was such a hassle and it's huge. Yeah. So how do you go about writing a song? What's your process there? Yes. So for songs, I usually, it's been different for each one, but what I really like to do is I like to start with, um, kind of like a premise or just Mm -hmm. like an idea of like maybe this could be a funny song and then I try to think of like what would be like a funny funny music to kind of juxtapose these lyrics and this kind of premise and this idea I have like what would be kind of a funny underscore for this kind of energy for that I want to convey so then I start like you know plunking out on the piano (laughs) and then like shaping out a melody and then coming up with lyrics that I think that I like that I think are funny then I'll go to a mic or a show and try them out and depending on how they land it's like oh I think this has legs I'll keep going or sometimes I'm like oh man I uh, (laughs) think I need to drop this one (laughs) fuck but yeah, yeah that's kind of how how I work and then usually melody and chords for the most part don't change that much they sometimes do but it's the lyrics that I will workshop to mm-hmm. see like all right this works what what works best here to kind of craft it now you're half Japanese half Jewish right mm-hmm. yes 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 was growing up was there a like a a concerted effort to explore both of those cultures in the home um, a little bit, you know, Japan, like my Japanese, I really wanted to learn Japanese, mm-hmm. but, um, my mom taught me a little bit, but not much. And we would eat Japanese food. We learned how to make sushi. Very cool. And it, yeah, things like that. And, um, 
There are things that are just naturally kind of passed down through Japanese culture. But my mom was born and raised in um, in California. Okay. So she, my, and actually my grandma, my obachan, grew up in the Central Valley of California too, moved back to Japan and then moved back to the States. Mm-hmm. So it's, my mom doesn't really speak Japanese that well, too. So I don't think she really had that big of an urge to, like, pass Japanese culture to because because her parents didn't have that big urge for her as well, I don't think. Mm-hmm. They wanted, you know, my um, grandparents wanted my, my mom and, um, you know, her brothers and sisters to, you know, learn English well and just kind of, I think their mentality was like, acclimate yeah which makes sense during that period um because like a lot of experiencing internment and kind of like traumatized from that so it's like all right let's just acclimate and try to you know just to get by but i think that was their mentality so yeah i guess some uh, that that's a yeah. long-winded answer but some of that and then jewish culture wise um yes some pieces of that like we celebrated Hanukkah. We celebrated Passover and Rosh Hashanah. I really wanted to do a bar mitzvah, but I never did. And I was like, I wanted, but I, I never went to like Hebrew school. Mm-hmm. But um, we do like, do like, and I went to like, during bar mitzvah season though, <laughs> I went to like, <laughs> I went to like 40. So like yeah. by the end, me and my brother were like saying all the, all the prayers together. Cause we remember. <laughs> but um yeah, we grew up with a little bit of that culture too, but also my on my dad's side, um, a little bit like you know like um, they immigrated like very early, like eighteen hundreds oh, from okay. the pogroms um, in Europe. So I think some traditions were like you know we're like definitely if anything like reform, reform, reform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the the Easter Christmas Catholics of, yes, of yes, Jewish people. Yes, yes. You mentioned your brother, and you have a twin brother. Mm-hmm. So if you had a bar mitzvah, it would have had to be on the same. It would have. Day. It would have been on the same day. Yeah. Is it as someone who's never had a twin? Uh-huh. How is that? Is there? <gasps> yeah. Oh my. So y- yes, we always have shared our birthday, and mm-hmm. having a twin. I, it's so funny when people ask that question. I think because I'm like, I don't know what it's like not to have a twin, of actually. Course. But I. From I can speak on right now. Right now, I love having a twin brother. Yeah. He's he's a really good anchor, mm-hmm. and I call him all the time. And um, and he is you know really good support system sometimes too. And he's also gay, which is great because we can just kind of like, you know, you know, shoot the shit. We can kiki. We can just like we have the same. We're we're very very similar in that way. Mm-hmm. Um. I think in high school we fought a lot because we were both in the closet and mm. we were just kind of like, you know, I don't know, like we were, we were just like angry at each other all the time. And because we were just kind of hi- spent so much energy hiding. But all, but as a kid, like before that, we were like playing all the time, making plays. And so it's I think we're both extroverts because of it, because we just kind of like thrive off of other. We, we like need other people and connection to like kind mm-hmm. of, you know. Um, for energy and sustenance, we sh- like shared a womb. So mm-hmm. I guess that's kind of what what that's like. That is a beautiful way to put it. Like, because I don't think a lot of people, at least myself, consider like, oh, you were like literally sharing mm-hmm. the same life force. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
Was it difficult coming out with your folks and everything? Or um, I mean, you were in the Bay Area. I'm in so. the Bay Area, which so. is pretty. Uh, I was I was fortunate compared to a lot of people, none mm-hmm. of my friends, honestly. Uh-huh. I my high school though was very homophobic. Mm. People, I mean, like people's parents who voted for Obama, like their kids would like be dropping the F word and like, you know, saying gay stuff. And it's like, what? Your dad voted for no on Prop 8 and for Obama. Like, mm-hmm. what's this? But it was just very homophobic. And it was like kind of like um, kids were out, but they would get like, you know, like they would get like teased and like, you know, bullied and stuff sometimes. And it was um, uh, so I wasn't out to my high school, but to my parents, luckily, like they were like ex- accepting and when I came out to my well the way I came out to my twin brother was we were driving a friend of ours came out um and we were driving home and we thought oh my god that was so brave and I was like ah you know the most porn I watch is of guys and he mm. was like same and so I was like oh I guess <laughs> we're gay that means we're gay and now we gotta come out to everyone do a t- little tour so that's how that do a little tour yeah we we did our coming out tour when friends and family you know across the California was there a a pressure to um I guess so yeah because it was it was something that it was um a pressure to yeah and you know sometimes my mom would be like after, at the end of the, I remember when we were coming out to everyone is like, well, don't you guys have something to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, and we're like, yeah, anyway, yeah, we're gay. And, <laughs> but it was like nerve wracking to say. Yeah, of um, course. But I think, yeah, I was pretty, me and my twin brother, when it came to like the people that we came out to in our close circles, very fortunate, very mm-hmm. lucky that. Um, that people were like accepting. Yeah. When you came here and you mm-hmm. started doing comedy, yeah, y- you know, you kind of said you got addicted to it. Uh-huh. Um, but is that the actual drive? Is it a continuation of the thrive of connection for family? Do you Ooh. think? Wow, this deep. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually unpacking it in therapy too. There's oh, really? Like, yes, yes. And you know, I think the drive for comedy. You know, I always really wanted to, I think I, I like always wanted to like perform. I think mm-hmm. that's something. And I think being in the closet a little bit and being so quiet and like, you know, um, that I was like prevented from that. Doing, but then like when I discovered performing and like the joy of that, I was like, oh shit, this is so much fun. And, you know, it's also like Asian culture. It's not like, you know, very encouraged to take up space be very mm-hmm. loud but then like rediscovering kind of being able to do that was really nice and also like i think when i discovered it i i really fell in love with it and that doing it but then also i think there's a piece of it where it's like you know what like there's a connection piece that i that sometimes it fills that space of like connecting with audiences and connecting with like um, people and being able to write things that like you know surprise people or it is like a form of that connection like like yeah desire for connection healthy or not <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I feel like we define so much what's healthy or not is how disruptive it is to one's life yeah yeah exactly do you feel it gets in the way sometimes mm. I um you know 
it's honestly where I am right now. Yeah. It is like my entire life. Yeah. It is so encompassing so many things. And sometimes I well, I do like have work too, like like composing music for companies and that but to make money. But like other than that, that I do in the morning, it is like completely my life. So it's hard to say how much it gets in the way because it is. And mm-hmm. I think the mo the thing that like for the most part that it might get in the way of is like time for like you know taking a breather and like just kind of recuperating and like being able to like like rest and um also you know deal with like you know take care of your inner children your inner (laughs) child the play and the fun and like like maintaining relationships and that is what it gets in the way of um but also i I think um, the the being able to like connect with people and write things that are important to me is also something very important. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of what, yeah, yeah, in a way. <laughs> I got you. Um, do you think of stand up as work or play? Oh man, sometimes, sometimes. Oh, stand up. Okay, sometimes it does. What was the thing you thought I said? I thought of. I was like. So comedy, I was thinking of, oh, like writing and something. So stand, okay, so stand up to me Mm -hmm. sometimes does feel like work because sometimes it's like, oh shit, I don't have time to write something new for this. And it's, oh, I'll just do the same stuff. But then it does feel like play where I'm, when I'm writing shit, where I'm like trying out a newish bit and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can do this. And when I'm, when I feel like I can, when things feel malleable and things feel like, oh, I can, think of I can uh, add a new tag just that I thought of recent and I can just so that that's when it feels fun and exciting when I'm Mm -hmm. writing when I'm thinking of something new Mm -hmm. um that's when it feels like play and it feels really fun and even also sometimes like when it's a really good show yeah that feels like fucking awesome it feels like play (laughs) but especially when it's like you're able to like think of new things to to say on stage and that's when it feels the funnest to me yeah absolutely you said you were in therapy. What led to that? Yeah, so I've been in therapy for a while, and I first went into it when I, I first did it when I was in high school and I was in the closet and also getting bullied. But the thing is, I would go to therapy and be like, I didn't know those were the problems. I was like, Yeah, I um, I feel like I have the and and we just we talked around the problem sure. for like many sessions, and I'm like, Well, bye. And then <laughs> I guess I. So, um, and <laughs> yeah, but it, it's so f- I didn't even like think that being gay or was like being closeted was the problem. But mm-hmm. I then did it later when, um, in college I was raped and mm-hmm. I went to therapy f- for treatment for that and it was helpful for a while. And then for a while I thought like, oh man, I think. Yeah, this is good. And I felt like pretty healed. But then like I I kept having like like sexual experiences where I would like keep getting like extremely triggered by like just like like minimum like like just making out or like small things and physical contact. And then it got like very extreme where I'm like, I really don't know what the fuck's going on. So I had to go back to therapy. I found a new one who specialized in trauma who I still have today. And she's very helpful. Very good. Um so yeah, that's kind of what led to like mm-hmm. um, me finding her, mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. 
And you're obviously very open about what happened with you. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a certain pressure being a man to not talk about it? I did. Yeah, I did feel that I for sure. And I it's not that talked about in the gay community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the you know, the gay community is a very sexually open and very like sex parties, circuit parties, blah, blah, blah. And like when it comes to like consent in the gay community, it is so not even like a discussion because it's like we're f and it's like going cr and it's like that's but i i think it's i definitely needs to be more talked about and like mm -hmm. you know discussed in the gay community but also i think when i would you know when i first decided to do jokes about it yeah i felt like out my big fear was i thought people would be like of course it didn't happen to this dude. Like it mm -hmm. didn't happen to it. It's like, he's like, he's making a joke about it. And it, he's like, you know, like, and I remember before I did, because Kelly had seen some of my material about it and she booked me on her show, rape jokes by survivors. And I was the only, um, male identifying person on the lineup. So I thought, so I was excited, but also part of me was like, fuck people, mm -hmm. It's like they're not going to believe me. They think I'm co-opting this thing that actually happens to women. You're crazy and like other voices. But um, I felt like on the show really fortunate that I felt well, like um, welcomed and believed and everyone deserves to feel that. And I know that so many men, straight men, you know, um, I, like trans men, non-binary, like anyone like that feel like their narratives of like being a victim of sexual violence aren't like talked about or like shown or like portrayed. It's like my experience. But I think like, I just want, like if anyone's listening, if your, your experience is 100% valid and mm -hmm. it, you know, I think there's more like nuances and more, you know, stories coming out like, cause consent is just across the board. Um, it affects everyone. It affects queer people. It affects straight people. It affects everyone. It affects. Um, so I think, it's getting better in that regard, but yeah, I think that's, I did feel a sense of that, mm -hmm. I think. How did you, I mean, was telling jokes about it the way you overcome it? It was a step, a big mm -hmm. step, and it really helped me because I think it was a, it was something in my life that I tried to shut out, and I'm like, I'm never going to talk, you know, I don't want to talk about that, I don't want to think about that, mm -hmm. but to be able to go there, that space that's in me, and then find a little, like, you know, nugget of humor mm -hmm. and then make other people laugh with it. I'm like, that's the, mo that's such a, I, I want to keep doing this always. Is there a concern when you are talking about material oh, yeah. about that, but other people in the audience might have experienced something similar. Sure. Are you ever concerned that you're going to upset them, like trigger their anxiety? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And yes. how do you balance that and make yes. it palatable? Yes, it's exactly. So very tricky, very tricky, because the thing is, when I started telling jokes about my experience with rape trauma, sometimes it would go. I would do it at mics for comics. Sometimes uh -huh. it'd go rough. But some, you know, comics have a dark sense of humor and yes. they're like they're kind of they've seen crazy shit. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. they so they're like kind of down and ready for like that kind of stuff. But audiences I know are like, <gasps> Oh fuck! Did he just talk about that? I thought, mm -hmm. what? Like, it's a little more like, which totally makes sense. It makes sense, um, and I don't ever really want to like, you know, 
trigger an audience member who's not ready to hear that. So it is a tricky balance. I have, you know, to be honest, I don't know if I found the balance because mm. I used to do my song where I talk about my experience with rape trauma and, you know, sometimes the audience will go hush and sometimes the audience is like, ooh, like that, like <laughs> me too. So yeah. some people really dig it and then some people I can tell it's like, so I've actually kind of taken it out of the song for now when I just do shows that mm-hmm. I'm not. But when it comes to when a show that me and Kelly wrote called Rape, Joke, Rape, Vic- oh, Rape Victims Are Horny Too, yeah. We give a trigger warning and we're very clear. This is going to be a triggering show if you're a survivor of sexual assault, sec- of rape and sexual violence. You know, it's we're talking about this stuff and we're trying to our coping mechanism is laughing. And that's kind of what we want to do. Mm-hmm. When you're playing the songs mm-hmm. or telling the jokes, does it trigger anything in you sometimes? You know, when it's one joke, when it's like a short verse... It used to actually, yeah. yes, because I had to remember the event, which is very, which is triggering yeah. to remember it. Um, but the more I did it, the more it became like, this is a, this is my joke. This mm-hmm. is just like my material, which is kind of like a cathartic thing in itself that it's like taking the kind of like real fear and like very um, charged nature out of like that and being able to go there and come back and be okay. Yeah. Because, um, but yeah, I definitely had moments when I did. We did our hour-long show that felt like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Oh God, my my parts are going crazy. You know, children like. Bah! Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like um, miniature exposure therapy. Then it is. Yeah. Yes. And yes, yes. is that something that's advised by your therapist, or is it your therapist like, hey, man, like maybe? My therapist really encourages it. Yeah? She's really dope. She's really cool. I'm very, I'm very lucky to have her. Good. She's dope. In the day to day, yeah. How does this sort of thing affect you? Like you were saying, with physical contact. Yes. Yes. That sort of thing. So for me personally, where I am right now, physical contact is like it's triggering, and it's like I wish I weren't. I wish it weren't that way. And I've been trying to look into like therapies, like how can I help? Like how can I, you know, help? But, you know, so this past year must have been a blessing for you. Everyone's six honestly, feet away. it was so that is like the six feet shit. Can yeah. you keep that up? I'm like, that is great. <laughs> oh, my God. I love this six feet shit. Like, this is so nice. I love that. And I, I you know what the thing is? I didn't even realize, like, you know, I kind of let people touch me and shit, but I didn't yeah. realize like and I would like go to bed and like my like, you know, like my feeling triggered. And I'm like, oh, why am I feeling so triggered? I didn't realize until like the six feet thing happened. I'm like, oh my God, that's what it was. What the, I did to take out. So it made me realize like how triggering physical contact was for me. So it does kind of affect me in like that, you know, some certain scenarios like when I'm in a crowded comedy show, I'm like greeting people, like hugging people. And like, I, you know, I'm, I'm like kind of like a welcoming, like, like my demeanor, like I don't like to be like, I don't like to put up boundaries in general. So yeah. like, it's hard for me, honestly, to be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I just don't really like physical contact." Is it okay if like, you don't touch me? And like my close friends who I'm close with know like my physical boundaries, but people I don't, I'm like, I don't always say it because I'm like, yeah, I just I don't I don't know why it's difficult for me to put up those boundaries. But I'm like, 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's politeness. You, sure. You don't want to make the other person feel uncomfortable. I don't as, want them to feel uncomfortable. As if they've done something wrong, which they haven't inherently. It's just yeah, not exactly. right for you. Yeah, I don't want them to feel weird, and I don't like. I don't want them to be like, "Oh, that's fucking what the hell? Like that's weird <laughs> about weirdo." Yeah. This guy, and then like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just. I think like there's a part of me that's like, ah, oh, it's just easier to like put up with it, like go, like mm. give, like you know, give a little hug and like just go. But mm-hmm. then, like, I think I, I want to get better at, like, no, it's like, I really would feel better if, you know, mm-hmm. for now, at least for now, like, not much physical contact. And when you get triggered, what does that feel like to you? Um, It feels like it's a little bit of, like, lightheaded. It's a little bit of, like, you know, it's like, it goes in levels. It's like mm-hmm. levels of triggeredness. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, okay, complete TMI. This okay. is total TMI, but, like. My scrotum will like just like tighten. Oh sure, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like when that'll just tighten, mm-hmm. and it's like a fear thing. I think my yeah, like I'll get I f- I'll, it'll feel like a little bit of dizziness. Maybe my heart will beat a little bit, and I'll just kind of like feel a little dissociated. And it's like all on a spectrum. Sometimes it's like very minorly, but then sometimes it's like I'm so dissociated I can't hear and oh, I can't gosh. see. That was one time, but that was like really bad. Was that in public? Yes. Oh no. (laughs) It's actually kind of a hilarious story. It was during a drag queen, drag queen brunch. (laughs) Oh boy. And I was like with my family and I was like, and I was like losing my hearing and I'm like, mom, I don't think I can hear. Oh my God. And all I saw was static. I just saw static. It was crazy. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't know. And then, like, the drag queen show started. Ba 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 ba. Everyone, welcome Donna Sashay to the stage. And I'm like, wow, you really can't write this stuff. It, it was so, so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> it's <is> so good. <laughs> I know. Uh, do you think doing comedy, like, one of the reasons you do it is because you can control the interactions you have with people? Um, I think. Yeah, there is a sense of like the the niceness and the control. There is like a, um, you know, re. I think a um. Yeah, there, there, there's like control that there's a little more control that I have over what I speak about when it comes to like trauma stuff or what I what I put out there and like what how how you know how much you know, I put out in the control over the narrative a little bit too, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I would assume, and maybe this is me projecting my own problems onto you, <laughs> uh, but like having lost control very severely in that one instance, mm-hmm. you would look for other places to be able to control a situation. Yeah. You think or no? <sighs> That would make sense. That makes sense. I'm not sure if it's quite resonating okay. right now. But but I think that there there is a semblance of like wanting to make, you know, um something joy out of something that yeah. felt out of control and something that feels um very nebulous and very intense. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about how the gay community treats this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear more about that if you're willing uh, to. Yeah. So um, when it comes to like 
Um, consent and like physical contact, you know, like just yesterday I was at like a party with some like gays and stuff and mm-hmm. like also like I'm still horny as hell. Yeah. I'm horny and I need validation and oh, there's a part I want a boyfriend. Hey, I want a boyfriend. <laughs> of course. I want a boyfriend to always stay six feet away from me and mm-hmm. just cook me every meal and film every show that I do. <laughs> That's not much to ask. <laughs> Who looks like Henry Golding? It's not much. <laughs> That's literally bare minimum. But I mean, uh, you know, I think... And yeah, I went and I think at least in gay culture, there's like a sense of like there's still like kind of trickle down closeted mentality of like, I see you, you see me. Let's just like go and like no, no word spoken, no consent. Like there's like that kind of mentality. And like, you know, I've had plenty of positive experiences with other gay men and like experiences that. That was crazy, but yeah. like, I think there has to be a conversation about like consent and protecting other gay men. Like, you know, sometimes you you'll see like a gay guy like blackout drunk at a bar, and it's like, oh, this to, and like, there's like, like there's still like like there's a guy like you know pressing on them and flirting. And it's like you know we have to look out for. It's not just you know we have to look out for that. You know, there's scenarios that where people really aren't like capable of like because they're so drunk or like for whatever reason like i think there needs to be more of that in the queer community Mm -hmm. for sure there has been some talk over the years about how most queer spaces involve some sort of alcohol there's not like a sort of you know like a cafe you can go to that's mostly for queer people for sure um how do you feel about that um I want um I want there to be a queer library. No, I'm oh, just kidding. I was like, that's so cute though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I think that's that's a library. Tr- a quibi <laughs> a quibi or a byberry if it's a bi-berry. just bisexual. <laughs> I love that. Um uh, no work gets done. No work. <laughs> All play. No I'll one's play. a doughboy. No, no one is reading. Everyone's just fucking, but mm-hmm. no, but I think, yeah, alcohol being involved in every... It just informs, like, queer culture. It really yeah. does. Like, Stonewall, like, that's a bar. That's where queer liberation happened, uh, at a bar. Yeah. Um. So I think it does inform... And I don't drink anymore. I'm no, sober. Really? Yeah. And I think it's because I realized during quarantine, I thought when things slowed down, I'm like, I think I was really kind of drinking there's a healthy way to drink and I was drinking a little bit to like dull some pain. Yeah. So I think I've, and I've still kept it up and I don't really miss it that much even. And, but I think that for, yeah, for now I just like realizing that, yeah, I was just kind of dulling a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of shit. Was that hard to manage? Because a lot of comedy shows are in bars. A lot of them are in bars and a lot of drink tickets, yep. but I'm like, Oh, I don't actually I'll just give it to a friend of mine yeah I'll just give the drink ticket to a friend who came to the show yeah so I would imagine there was a fair amount of anxiety not being able to fully accept yourself as a young person Mm -hmm. did that dissipate when you came out and if so you know, do you still deal with like anxiety and that sort of thing or am I again assuming no when it comes to that I think 
um, a lot of a lot of my life improved after I came out. So much yeah. improved, and I was very lucky and fortunate to have um, a circle of like of my my friends and family to be accepting. Um, but I think every single queer person still has that piece in them. Yeah. Every single one. You know, walking in New York is just it's you know it there unless it's pride like. Mm. There is like a sense of, you know, it's so dangerous. It's like, I don't know. It's weird. Does that, I don't know. It's, there is a sense of not being able to fully express your complete, um, just for like a safety measure. Yeah. When it, or I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm like, maybe I'm like. Well, it's certainly how you feel. Sure. Yeah. That's how I feel. So that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess every every queer person has a piece of that. Yeah. Of yeah. Holding on to some sort of societal pressure. Yeah, and it's like so. There's some. It's like, um, yeah, holding on to societal pressure. I guess. And I know, like on the subway, there's so many, like, people like screaming transphobic things and just like homophobic things, and you're like, oh fuck, like this is, I mean, the only day. That can't happen as on Pride because there are just too many. Like you would yeah. have to, that you would have to. That's so much energy. Actually, there there are just too many people to possibly hate crime. Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> you know? don't have the time. Yeah, yeah, you you just would you would run out of energy. You'd run out of steam. Yeah, after <laughs> for after twenty minutes. After twenty minutes, you just pass out on the subway. Yeah. So there. I, I would love to know a little bit about this and let me know if I'm overstepping here. But I've heard from other people of Asian descent, specifically men, that there is a weird sort of almost when people are dating Asian men, there's like, I don't know what to do here. It, um, or like a, how do I put this? Like a, a lack of attraction or something. Like, okay. do you feel any, do you understand what I'm kind of getting at? Okay, so yes, um, I, when it comes to that experience, I, you know, we were talking on the street and like all the hate crimes I was happening to, yeah. it was like something that I viscerally felt too because I was attacked by someone on the street too and it fucked me up and it was like, oh. it was like, um, I guess, I don't, I don't know, that's a piece of like why I would say like, I still like kind of get weird when I walk when someone walks close behind me because mm -hmm. it it that's kind of like yeah I just don't like to have blind spots, but complete other tangent this this um, this piece of it, um, I I think I did feel a piece I I do feel a piece of that when it comes to like gay dating and there's like like either it's stuck between two things, either being like invisible, like, mm. you know, like there's some like, you know, white queers who are like, I just don't find any Asian Asians attractive. Mm -hmm. And then, so like they just, and it's like, you're just invisible mm. or it's like, you're an object and it's like, there's too much of a, it's like a fetish and it's like, and then a feeling of like, Oh, I'm just trapped with these two options. Is this all I have? This yeah. is like my, this is what I'm gonna have to fall in love with. This is my love life, I guess. Mm -hmm. Shit. Um, so I felt a little bit of that, but also I've always thought Asian men were hot as hell. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. I grew, <laughs> like I grew up around. I grew up in like 
like around like sexy Asians. I always thought like I had a Your crush brother. on like like my brother, <laughs> like cousins. No, um, but I grew up like Ryan Higa, and like I thought he was hot. I'm like Asians were fucking sexy, but it's like I think some people just like there is like a um, that stereotype, and like you know um, put like onto like Asian men and there's like a piece of history to it too. And then like the hypersexualization of Asian women too. Mm -hmm. But um, I've always thought, I've always thought, I mean like my, the guy who I had a crush on my whole life was like, like my like childhood crush was an Asian guy. Mm -hmm. But I, it was like, it's very frustrating and like, you know, gets into your body to like get those signals from people and like the queer community and also just like in general to like, feel like oh yeah there are some people who just fully are like oh asians no yeah it's like yeah fuck and then like others who are like asians it's like no i don't want that either is this it like yeah but um yeah i i guess i i honestly have not been dating any because mostly because of trauma yeah and i don't like physical contact but also because of maybe there's a piece of that too i don't know yeah makes sense so you were attacked yeah, 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 on the street. Do you want to talk about it? Or yeah, no? yeah, 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 yeah. I was um, uh, I was on a bench and I was on my phone and then a guy was approaching me and it was just like looking at me really weird and I was like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? Why is he? Um, and then he kept walking towards me and like walking closer and I'm like, uh, I don't really like this. And so yeah. I like got a little afraid and I was also angry. I'm like, get 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 the fuck out of my space. I so I flipped him off and then he started running for me. <sighs> And then he ran for me for uh, like a long, for like a while and then cornered me and then like punched me and like started kicking and then I had Oof. to like fight back and punch back and he started screaming at me and then like I ran away and outran him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was like, it was kind of scary. And yeah. after, you know, afterwards I was just like hyped up. I was like, what the fuck? And I was just like amped. But then like, you know, it just made me like, I still don't like when people like walk behind me because I'm yeah because that's like because like being chased you know yeah, for course. like blocks is like scary and people l- were looking people were like watching the whole thing and like they're like what is, is this a drug deal what's going on like <laughs> oh what is this um yeah that's what happened and I'm sure that must have exacerbated all of the feelings you've had before of like the anxiety and all of that right sure 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 and how did you get through that um oh i yeah it was hard for the it was really difficult for like the like it was difficult but i think um i did you know i have a therapist so we talked and i have friends to call so (laughs) that's fair you know yeah i just try to keep myself a little busy Mm -hmm. busyness there's a joke you do in your set where you're you say what you don't realize is I'm evil. Is that is that coming from a place of like dislike of yourself? Oh man. Okay. So the evil. Yeah. <laughs> We're just getting right into it. Yeah. Um, man. The evil. I well, I think that comes from. I also really just love evil characters yeah. and and queer villains very much. And I, I've always, you know, really, um, I, you know, I've always loved like queer coded villains and, you know, queer characters. Um, and that's a, like a, um, something that I slip into a lot, but I guess like to really get into it, 
there there are like every, I feel like everyone is composed of a, an amalgamation of a lot of parts and pieces. And I think there is a piece that was affected by trauma that mm-hmm. feels like very angry and very just, but I guess when, when it, I'm um, specifically sexual trauma, feeling very mm-hmm. angry, very, you know, just like, ah, just wants to scream, like wants to kick and punch and like that. And I think when it comes to that, there might be a piece of that that feels like that part is like, oh, this part is bad. But it's like, no, this part is just like angry and like, mm-hmm. you know, was hurt and stuff. So, that, yeah. And and also there's a piece that it's like when it talking about Asian identity and like resentment I have towards white people and white gays and that. And it's like in my head, I'm like, yeah, I can talk about white people. Fuck white people. Yeah, I'm half white. I can say it. fuck that and fuck that. But then there's like a, a a greater piece that feels like I'm a bad person for thinking that and like for being angry at white people and for like expressing and for, you know, saying that and spewing that. And like I can tell myself in my brain like, oh, my God, you're valid. That's valid in my body. It's like, no, I truly do feel that mm-hmm. that it's bad. And 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 I think that's something I recently like. I'm uncovering that mm-hmm. it's like my brain isn't always what my body feels. So yeah. I guess that is a little piece of like evil. And I do, I like, and I love gravitating towards like um, evil characters mm-hmm. and stuff. And maybe there's a queer element to it because like queers are told like, that's wicked to be, to be what you are. <laughs> and it's like, well, I'm going to embrace it now. I'm going to love it. It's great to be. You know. Wicked is specifically a very good word for her. Wicked, yeah. yes, it is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, do you have a hard time processing anger? Yeah, I yeah. do. Because um, I... The something that's actually cool is I'm able to express it on stage, yeah. which is nice, and I like to do it, and it <laughs> feels good. Um, but I feel like I should sign up for a fucking boxing class, you know, because <laughs> sure. I have a lot of, like, repressed anger... That I don't let out because, like, I guess my demeanor is not that way. And I want to, like, you know, remain Mm -hmm. connected to people. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, like, I don't like putting up boundaries or, like, ever being that. But, I mean, sometimes I think there's balance and and I should more. But I think anger and, like, releasing it and processing it has always been, like, interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were just talking now, you talked about your dislike of white people <laughs> no and it's also when i when i say that yeah. i don't want to like say like i hate all white people of like, course that's a piece of me that's like that's been like traumatized by like yeah white people and also you know the person who like raped me was a white man and it mm-hmm. was like i think there was like a fetishization thing going on too mm. where he and like a piece of that anger of that being like rejected and like undesirable as well as like an object and like there's like a lot of pieces that after and like resentment after like being attacked to the guy was a white it was just like a lot of built up resentment that I have and it's not that my dad is white I love there I mean like, that was I what lo- I was gonna ask. there are people white people in my life who I love so much but there's like there is like a a well of some anger and 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 that I have so. for sure. Yeah, and I think it's completely reasonable. Like, even conceptually, if you were just like, ah, fuck white people, I think we'd all be like, yeah, that makes sense. Sure, yeah. But then with the specific two things you listed, like, yeah, absolutely it makes Uh sense. But being mixed race, was that ever, like, a... 
Did that ever make you feel some kind of way? Yeah, it's very interesting because I, yeah, half Jewish, half Japanese. All my life, I never thought of myself as white because mm. also f- me and my twin brother, we look fairly Asian. We mm. look fair like can some like we look fairly Asian even for like mixed uh, like someone who's mixed Asian. And mm-hmm. so I've always just kind of thought of myself as like Asian. That's what I saw in the mirror. Grew up in a predominantly white space so it's like compared to everyone else it's like oh yeah I am everyone thinks everyone doesn't even assume I'm mixed race they're like oh yeah the Asian kids Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until recently I thought oh my god no I'm mixed I'm this other thing I'm I'm mixed race Asian and I I think I'm coming to terms with it recently but um I think there is there there's a piece that I'm like unfolding with that too of of being mixed race and you know Jewish and Japanese and yeah and you know I think when I talk about my anger towards white people too sometimes yeah, my yeah. dad will get a will get like <laughs> what you know yeah, like like some I mean uh, and it, that makes sense but I also I love him very much and he's like of course. of course I love him so much he's my dad I love him so much yeah but I can't like ignore like this piece yeah. like the anger too do you feel guilty. Yes. You, yeah. Yeah. You have a different kind of white guilt. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For feeling that anger. Oh well, or I mean, guilt, for or white guilt. Yeah, think? like being, you know, being able to observe how white people are shitty, and still being half white yourself. Does that make you feel some kind <sighs> of way? Very interesting. I guess pieces of that. Okay. I feel pieces of that because. I think that when it comes to, it's like, I think someone, an Asian person put it really perfectly, and I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like Asians will, a lot of white people will put their white guilt on Asians too because they're like, they don't think of Asians as like, an Asian American identity is so neither here nor there. Mm. It's so like, kind of like you're you're basically like Asians will like think of be like you deserve all the white guilt that we feel but you don't get any of the privilege either so it's like you should feel like all like white people I feel like so are so have felt so confident telling me that I can't even do a Japanese accent or like that's a you can't do like telling me I can't do my or like they feel so comfortable telling me like what I can't and it's like, bitch, like, <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, people are really policing you like that? Sometimes, yeah. I yeah. Mean. I don't know. So I think, yes, I have felt pieces of white guilt. And also, my dad has said to me, he's like, you don't know what real racism is like. You've never experienced it. You're not black in this country. Oof. The experience of being black in this country and being, it's very different. It's very different. And it's like, it is, yes, it is like, um, it, and it's like, you know, it's very, very, I can't imagine, it's very difficult, it's very, um, there's so much to deal with, so much racism. Uh, but I also think that there was a treatment of like, at least by white people, like Asian is like, oh, Asian is like, there's no racism there, there's yeah. no discrimination there, it's like, no, but our va- our identity is valid and we, you know, it's like, 
feeling of like don't, not having ground to stand on. Mm. Mm. I don't know if yeah. that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. yeah. So I have felt kind of a piece of that white guilt and that kind of like, oh yeah, I should just like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I really believe for a long time. I don't, I've, no one's ever been racist to me in my life. And I believe that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, this is just, I just feel this way. And uh, no one's, and racism isn't real. I, Asian jokes are cool. Like, yeah. I don't know, like feeling that way and then kind of unpacking recently. Yeah, yeah. What would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who's just experienced some sort of sexual trauma? Mm, um, I think that my biggest piece of advice is that it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. You're, um, I, I believe we, be, I believe you, and it's not your fault. That's, and I think that, and, and also, it is so possible to feel better. And I remember when I was in the middle of it, I thought that I would never feel better, and that it was impossible to heal. But because that's how, like, when you're in that, it's the intensity of that feeling. That's how it feels. But um, it is possible to heal, and it's not your fault. And definitely recommend trauma therapy, a therapist that, you know, specializes in trauma. Because, like, without, you know, yeah, I th- EMDR, doing that, um, I highly recommend doing that treatment. What's EMDR? EMDR is a trauma treatment where you hold vibrating um, buzzers that will go back and forth. And it will take you back to traumatic experiences, but in a way that helps you process it in a non-traumatic way. I had to do it about like seven times, seven sessions before it like really kicked in. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's, it is very helpful. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I have everything I need on my end. Is there anything you want to tell people before we get out of here? Yes. Um, follow me on <laughs> online. You can follow my Instagram at Dylan Adler underscore. You can follow me on Twitter at Dylan Adler six. I promise I, I am a comic and I'm, I, I, <laughs> some funny things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you can follow me there. Thank you. Thank well, you th- so much for having me, Tristan. Yeah, thank you for your openness. Appreciate it.